0: Finding Freedom in Truth, Pursuing Truth in Scripture. This is the Mormon Hope Podcast with Brandon Vaughn and Dave Malinak. Welcome in to the Mormon Hope Podcast. I'm Brandon Vaughn along with Dave Malinak. We're two Baptist pastors who live and pastor in the heart of Mormon country, Utah. We like to use this podcast as a means by which to define and defend our Christian faith, as well as compare and contrast with the faith of our LDS neighbors and friends. Last week, we sat down for part one of an interview with Lance and Grace Earle. Now, Lance and Grace are former Mormons. They have come out of the LDS church and are now devout Christians. And in fact, Lance actually held high positions within the Mormon church, And they have a ministry that helps Mormons to leave Mormonism and find saving faith in Jesus Christ. Lance has actually written a book called Grit and Grace, Rescue from Mormon Chains and Redemption in Jesus Christ. If you would like to get a copy of the book or you would like to know more about their ministry, you can visit their website at askyourbishop.com. That's askyourbishop.com. And now here's part two of that interview with Lance and Grace.
1: That was something I was going to bring up. Um, you talked about the the LDS church as a shelf where troubling truths get piled. Let me just um, read what you said there, because um, I thought it was remarkable. Um, every Mormon man and woman has a shelf littered with troubling issues. I am sure of it. Items stored there include ugly chapters of Mormon history and surprising reversals of doctrine. These make up the dark underbelly of Mormonism. People desperately ignore absolute truths, which are, from the Mormon perspective, neither useful nor uplifting. Unanswered questions heap higher and higher. Every shelf has a load limit. To be sure, shelves sag, groan, and ultimately fall. Like the house built on the sand, great will be the fall thereof. On that fateful day, fallen truths and troubling unknowns must be examined. Um, (laughs) You obviously have given some thought to that uh, shelf.
2: Yes, yes, I have. And and, uh, the thing that that troubles me so bad, well, Boyd K. Packer would be the prophet now, but he died. And so Mm -hmm. the next in line was Russell Nelson. Russell is the current prophet. Boyd K. Packer said... Not everything that's true is useful. Yeah, And (laughs) Dallin Oaks will be the next prophet. He's the number two man in the church now. And he said the same thing in an interview with uh, PBS Mm -hmm. recently. Not everything that's true is useful. Well, God says the truth makes us free. That's right. He didn't say the useful truths. (laughs) That's right. He
1: didn't say the truths
2: you like. He said the truth. New
1: category, the unuseful truths and the useful truths. Yeah. But the Mormon people...
2: uh, they are content to set those things on that shelf, mm-hmm. and they just turn around and not look at it, and just mm-hmm. ah, the church is true. The church is true, and 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 it's it's crazy because I can't deny that I did it, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine how I could do that. Mm-hmm. It's looking back on being a Mormon is the most confusing thing in my life. I didn't know that I was so easily manipulated,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so but yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and, and it really all fits together. You know, there is a system to it um, that that goes with. You know, it all, if, if God is um, progressing, growing, then really everything is fluid. Everything, and not just not just within the church itself, but the whole world would have to be, because everything becomes like God. Um, God makes the world in His own image. So if if God Himself is fluid, then the world is infinitely malleable. Which is where the progressivism, mm-hmm. um, the whole, the transgenderism, all that you know, there's just no limit to what we can become. Shapeshifting is part of reality, you know, according right. to that worldview. Um, but of course. In our world, we see a world that is fixed and final and that uh, God created and made it the way that it is. And he set the, the bounds of our habitation and, and yeah, right. those kinds of things. And, and that's why I can have an anchor yes. that, that doesn't move. That's right. Because I, in the
2: 14 fundamentals of following the prophet Ezra Taft Benson, who was the prophet when we were raising our kids, mm. he said that the living prophet is more essential to us than the standard works. Now that's Mormon for the Bible Book of Mormon. So that means anything that is in their canonized scripture can be moved. It's up for grabs. At any point yep. by a prophet who is more essential to the church. Yep. And so we've seen that. Yeah. Uh prophets from Joseph Smith on have always said the restoration is complete, the restoration is complete, the restoration is complete. And Russell Nelson just came out and says, hang on, take your vitamins. It's going to be exciting. The restoration continues. It's going to happen next year and the year after. And and that was just a year ago. Mm-hmm. So the restoration that was complete is now incomplete because the current prophet said so. Yeah. Regardless of what every previous prophet said.
1: Yeah. Yeah and it is it's my opinion that the older guys old guard you know the the next what three or four in line are all in their upper 80s mm-hmm. 90s um when they're gone there's a young generation that's coming up that is going to uh make dramatic earth-shaking shav- change Be- the-
2: because they're not anchored to anything and that's one thing I love we we love to go right to the manuscripts and Strong's and Thayer's and different things and find out what they said, mm-hmm. because we know that even different translations, mm-hmm. some of them have some some passages that make you go, huh? Mm-hmm. But we have the anchor of those manuscripts
1: mm-hmm. that are immovable; they're solid
2: yeah. as a rock. It's almost like
1: yeah. they're a rock
2: that Jesus said, "Build your house on." Yeah, yeah.
1: And God preserved His Word; He's kept it for us, and that Word, that revelation of God. In, in His Word and in His Son. Those are unchangeable things. We can go back and we can reference it. The meaning doesn't change with the times. Uh, the, the, the truth of God is the liberator. It's not, it, we're not setting the truth free. The truth is setting
0: us free. That's right. And we've talked about it on this podcast. and We're actually even starting a new Bible study at our church on Friday. We'll, we'll talk about this uh, on this coming Friday. But if you're not anchored in a source of absolute truth, an objective standard of absolute truth, then you're stuck with subjective truth, and all subjective truth is is an opinion, It's mm-hmm. constantly changing. Mm-hmm. It can be one thing today and something different tomorrow. And and really, what you've done is you have created God in your own image. Mm-hmm. You know, God is responding to you and your opinion and popular culture and everything else, and so you're avoiding submitting to the absolute standard of truth that He's given us. And so, you know, as I said, we talk about on podcast, that's one of the main differences between Christians and Mormons is we look at the Bible as our absolute standard of authority for Christians. Because, you know, God has revealed himself and that's the way he chose to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, you talk about these prophets and even the differences, even among Mormon prophets, there's no way to vet what they say. Right. You know, how, how do we know? Mm. The, what they say came from God, especially when they differ, just like you were talking about the, the Sunday God or the, the, <laughs>
3: the
0: <laughs> yeah. or Monday God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, um, mm. it's just so important to be anchored in that absolute standard of the word of God. Yeah.
1: So one of the things that you highlighted in the book is the role that emotions play and which is fits with what we're saying here, um, where the truth is up for grabs, really, um, and so I wondered if you'd just talk a little about the um, influence of emotion and emotionalism um, among the true believers in the LDS Church. Yeah. Um,
2: the church, the, the people in the church do not know the Word of God at all. Um, ask any Mormon what's a Berean, and mm. they'll, have, they'll not
1: have a clue. They ask me. All the time.
2: Okay. I, I always ask them, they say, do you, I love the Bible. I say, great, that's awesome. How do you like the Brians? The who? The who? Yeah. Because I, I taught gospel doctrine, and we, which was New Testament, I taught the adults New Testament for two years. I spent two full years teaching, and we never taught them about the Brians. We said, yeah, Paul and Silas went to Bria, mm-hmm. and they preached and moved on. Mm hmm. And the thing is, if the Mormon people would act like the Bereans, who are the most noble,
1: they would leave. That's right.
2: Because the Bereans are so are told, here is Paul.
1: Mm-hmm. An apostle. Re-
2: an apostle. You rejoice at his word. And then you say, step over, step aside, Paul, because we're going to check you out. We're going to test you. That's right. And I, and I don't know you too, but I think I know enough to say that I would be willing to bet that in your church... The people that attend here have the absolute right to test anything you say, mm-hmm. and the absolute obligation to bring it to you if they yep. find out you've stepped over the line. Absolutely, so
1: that's that's not there in the morning. There are church. regular discussions in our lobby after church <laughs> of the message and what was preached, and questions raised, and what about this? And you know, um, I'm not sure that that's what that saying is. Certainly not discouraged, and it's a healthy church. Oh
2: yeah, and but the people can't do that. It's all based on this emotional thing, and so what I what I get, and it's so frustrating because the Mormon Church of today is not the church I grew up in. It's mm-hmm. so different, mm-hmm. but yet people will say, "Well, I have my truth, and you have yours."
1: Yeah. Well like, that's just like swallowing both, the relativism of our world. But yeah. yeah. like they're both legitimate. Yeah,
2: and. And so they say, well, I had this experience. I had this crazy thing. In fact, we were up at the Pocatello Temple for two weeks during their open house. And I talked to so many people. And, you know, we would talk about Satan can appear Mm. as an angel of light. And God said in his own word, I will no longer appear in houses made with hands. Mm -hmm. And I would say, so I... I had experiences in the Mormon temple. I know you had experiences in the Mormon temple. I don't question that or doubt that. But if God's not there and he said he wouldn't be, what spirit did you feel? Yes. And and it's all based on emotionalism. They they sweep the the scripture aside where mm-hmm. God tells us where he will and won't be. Mm-hmm. And they say, but I felt it. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. That is mm-hmm. the litmus test, if you will. Of truth and error, and people who believe in Bigfoot have just as strong a testimony as, <laughs> as those who
1: don't. I had a, um, I was in a
0: um, pawn shop. Don't make any Alabama jokes here. <laughs> Bigfoot. I just said pawn shop. Oh, well, I thought you're. Going Alabama way with a whole Bigfoot thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Isn't, Isn't, that Bigfoot state bird? <laughs> Isn't that your Alabama resident?
0: Isn't that your I'm sure he probably thinks I have Bigfoot stories.
3: Talk, so.
1: <laughs> but um, I was in a pawn shop, and I uh, was getting, I think they did some jewelry repair, and I was getting their thing repaired for my wife. And um, the guy behind the counter, he said, you're a Baptist, aren't you? And I said, I am. How did you know? He said, I just could tell. And so he said, I'm one of those non-Christian Mormons, he said.
3: Non-Christian. And christian
1: um, Yeah. And uh, he was being facetious. Well, then his, his helper, young guy, just returned from his mission, you could tell. Right. And he had a zeal, and he began to speak to me. And the first thing out of his mouth was, well, I have a testimony of Joseph Smith. And I I, I believe that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. And my response to him was, but you can get yourself to believe anything that you want to. I said, there, there are people who believe there's a man that lives on the sun. Yeah. I just said that to him. I said that because, you know, it was like a pointed thing because... Mm-hmm. Brigham Young actually said one time yeah. that, well, if you think Joseph Smith was crazy to say there's a man on the moon, let me tell you that there's also a man that lives on the sun. Yeah. Six-foot-tall Quakers on the moon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I said it facetiously, but I said it to make a point sure. that you can get yourself to believe anything that
0: you want to with that. Well, well, once again, there's no way to bet it. Somebody says they have a dream, Joseph Smith appeared to them. So he's the true prophet. Mormonism is true. And I say, well, I had a dream that Jesus Christ appeared to me. And he said, Joseph Smith is a liar and that the word of God is true. So then what are we going to do?
3: Well,
1: I think even a bigger challenge for our LDS neighbors is in this regard, that you are and Joseph Smith in the early days of the church encouraged. In fact, it was one of the most enticing things about the Mormon church. He encouraged visions and encouraged people to have them somewhere. Pardon me. Somewhere along the line, he figured out that if everyone could have visions and if those visions were authoritative, that his usefulness as the prophet was going to go away. And so they put in um, a doctrine. He had a revelation that he was the... The kind, only one for the church. The revelator, right. Yeah. But as um, John Krakauer in his book, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, points out, the cat was already out of the bag. And people were already kind of accustomed to having their own. And so what we see in our day is a modification of it. What visions you are allowed to have and what visions you are not allowed to have. And so people are still actively encouraged to get their own revelation, their own testimony. Right.
2: And so they have this...
1: It makes me think of a year
2: and a half ago, I was invited to come to the uh, state president's home to meet with him and his counselor to see if they could get rid of that letter that bans me from going on church properties. And what they were really trying to do is make me shut up mm-hmm. because I I have too much going on in my life to not share. But anyway, it was, it was crazy. So we had this discussion and, and the counselor was really quiet and finally he stepped up and he says, I have got to tell you. He said, I know, I heard what you said about Joseph Smith, and I know that in all the things he ever did, he never did a single thing wrong. Oh, my ouch. Well, what, is, what does First John say? If you say you have no sin, you know God is not in you. That's right. But, but the thing that was interesting is, and this, by the way, this, they had allowed me to record this, so it's on my website, so people can listen to this interview. So I, I said, do you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or the way, the truth, and the li- yeah, life. I always want to say light. I get that backwards. The way, the truth, and the life, and the only way that a man may go to the Father. And he said, absolutely. And I said, are you familiar with Helen Mark Kimball? And he said, no. I said, well, that was the daughter Heber Kimball, an apostle in the church. And Joseph Smith went to her and said, if you will sacrifice yourself and marry me, I will guarantee the salvation and exaltation of you, your family, and all of your kindred. Mm -hmm. I said, now Joseph is the way, the truth, and the life. I said, are you familiar with Lucy Walker? Mm -hmm. Same exact story. Sarah Whitney, same exact story. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's crazy is they don't want the truth. I said, give me your email. And I will have all the documentation of this in your inbox before you get home tonight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the stake president said, no, mm-hmm. you send it to me mm-hmm. and I'll decide if he can see it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no point in that yeah. because we know that it will never so, go past right. that inbox. It'll hit the, the delete button. But it, it's, it, he was so certain mm-hmm. that Joseph Smith couldn't do a single thing wrong. Mm-hmm. And yet... There he is replacing Jesus as the way, the truth, and right. the life.
1: Yeah.
0: And the guarantor of guarantor, people's salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ironic thing is Jesus is actually the only one who never did anything wrong. <laughs> That's,
1: right. That's right. He really yeah. did. Yeah. There was no guile in his mouth, which is um, an impressive thing when you think about the way sometimes we just shade our words with a little inflection that make it mean something different than what we're saying. And, uh, you know, how deceitful we can be. Yes, me too. There's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. And I can't hide that from God or conceal it. Now, one thing that you expose in your book is the fact that um, the LDS Church teach us that a testimony is gained by bearing it, which was interesting to me. I had not seen that before. <laughs> and um, because the testimony is such a big deal for our LDS neighbors, and um, and some will talk about a real experience that they had uh, where they felt the burning in their bosom. But um, I didn't realize, that, and I knew that there had to be a lot of people that just faked it. Um, but what I mean? What is the point of yeah. you bear it in order to get it? Well,
2: I, I quoted I quoted two apostles, uh, actually the same two that we talked about, Boyd Packer and Dallin Oaks, and they both said a testimony, strange as it seems, is better gained on the feet bearing it than on your knees praying about it. Mm-hmm. You don't turn to God; you just stand up. and And we all know that the 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 more we tell the big fish story, the bigger the fish gets. Right? Yeah. I mean, you ought to see the fish that come out of Mississippi, right? You can tell us about those because we've stories. not been down there fishing.
3: <laughs> True stories. <laughs> True stories.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Catfish. And, and so, and so when, when we were members, I used to bear my testimony and fast testimony, meaning almost every week mm-hmm. because I struggled to know that Joseph was a prophet. That was the big thing that was hard for me. But uh, So I would get up and I'd go bear my testimony, and then I would elbow this woman next to me I said, "You can do it this week. Are you gonna do it? Today's your day." <laughs>
3: I couldn't do it. Mm. I honestly could not say that I had a testimony of the church, and I couldn't see any point of getting up there and burying a testimony of something I didn't have. Mm. See, I was I was not raised LDS, mm-hmm. but I was taught you don't lie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so, yes. Yeah.
2: But it was it was crazy because I was scared. To, I mean. I wanted her to be my favorite wife Mm. over our new world. Uh (laughs) And uh, I I was afraid this, this she's going to end up in the terrestrial kingdom, the slacker that she is. (laughs) And I'll have to go find another wife. That is so stupid! Oh my gosh! When I hear myself say what I used to think, mm-hmm. but I was scared to death because my wife was going to lose any testimony she had because she wouldn't bear, she wouldn't lie about what she didn't have yeah. until it fell.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes along with. I mean, it's a joke. I hear the joke among our LDS neighbors that "fake it till you make it." Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and that's basically what this is, right? Absolutely.
3: Well, I was telling him just the other day we were talking about this. It's just like when you have a child, maybe they're always into something or whatever, and you're always telling that kid they're just no good, Mm. no good. Mm -hmm. You tell a child that enough, eventually they believe it. Oh, yeah. And it's true with things in the yeah. Church. No.
1: Well, I, I used to take my kids up on fast and testimony meeting on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah. I was going to say, because the kids are basically, from the time they can speak, they're encouraged to bear their yeah. testimony. And oh, so yes. I would kneel next to them and whisper in their ear. I know the church is
2: true. And they'd say, I know the church is true. And, and, and they'd go all through this, and they would bear a testimony of things that they had no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I would give them a hug, and the bishop would shake their hand. There was so much reward for mm-hmm. bearing a false testimony mm-hmm.
1: that it just continues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> one of the things you talked about in the book, and I think it's, uh, I mean, it's on everyone's mind, I think, and that is Spencer Kimball's book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, and um, which I have before said there's no miracle and there's no forgiveness in that book um, whatsoever. Um, but I have had conversations with members of the church who insist that Spencer Kimball was a little overstated. That's not what the church believes or teaches now, they say. Um, and yes, we understand why that would cause... Send people into serious depression. Now, how would you answer that? When when I was
2: in my late teens, uh, the whole hippie thing was just ending, and I had to hurry and go get mine before it all died. You know, so I had a few years where I was living way outside of of what would be acceptable in Mormonism or Christianity, and uh, and and I was disfellowshipped for that. And my bishop gave me a copy of that book. And he told me I had to read it. And he gave me this big, long list of things that I had to do perfectly for two years so that I could be reinstated. And the one thing I remember that Spencer Kimball said is he said, To try is weak. To do your best is not acceptable. You must always do better than you can. Mm -hmm. I had no idea I couldn't even do as good as I can most times. And now I'm supposed to do better than I can. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to do that. And so I tried to live up to Mormon standards for a couple years. And I went back into my interview to be reinstated as a member of the church. And the only way that I could get back into good standing was to lie. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I lied about who I was. Uh, there's not a, There's not a member of the church... That has a temple recommend that didn't lie to get it. So you have to
1: lie to prove your worthiness. Yeah, which is bizarre. But how much stock do, do does the average temple recommended Mormon put in that temple recommend as far as their standing before God? Yeah, they don't. It's it's uh, you know
2: I, I I wanted to have my recommend because it proved that I was worthy. Mm-hmm. Are you worthy? Why, well, yes, I am. Would you like to see my card? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. I, I remember we would have ward and stake temple days where we'd go up to Idaho Falls to the temple. Mm. And and I wanted to be there so that I would look worthy. And so the, the temple recommend really is like the fig leaf apron that mm. they put on in the temple mm-hmm. and that Adam and Eve put on in the garden. Yeah. It is just a little thing that says, I'm without sin. Mm-hmm. Here's my fig leaf apron. I, you know, can you see how sinless I am because I have this? Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but that I mean, for me it was always a status symbol, but it
1: was never, it never had really much to do with my standing before God. So you didn't think that I'm okay. Do you think there are LDS members who think that they're okay with God because the church says they are? I think there
2: are people that lie to themselves, but I think in their most when they sit down and really reflect, they go, "Nah." I, I was in a woman's house recently, old friend, and she said, uh, "She said I keep all the commandments." Mm. And I said, "You do?" She said, "Yes, I keep every one. I am to the point in my age where I am not tempted to sin anymore." <laughs> wow! And <clears throat> she is bearing false witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, there's one. You're lying. Number two, I fell away from the church. You're supposed to leave the 99 and come see me. I'm seeing you, and you're asking me to leave. I'm the lost lamb, right? It, it is It is. It is a delusion. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, when I met with the stake president, I told you about that meeting a while ago. One of the things I challenged him on is I said, this woman believe she is righteous because once a year she at uh, you as her bishop and now as her state president, she comes before you and you question her and you tell her she 's worthy mm-hmm. and I said, you need to tell her she is a sinner and needs a savior mm-hmm. and and so people are lied to from the beginning that they are born without sin, that they are awesome, that they are living the standards, and God is pleased with them no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, when I asked that question, you were shaking your head adamantly, yes, that you think there are people who... I do.
3: I honestly believe that there are some Mormons out there that truly believe that they stand...
2: Sometimes we disagree, but I'm always right. <laughs> 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 Go, ahead, hey, Go ahead, babe. I thought well,
1: I'd stoke but... the fire a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> then it
2: it no, more interesting. I agree
3: with what he said, but I do think there are some out there yeah. that honestly believe they're worthy to stand before God.
1: Yeah.
2: That, that, and
3: that scares me. Yeah. Because none of us are.
2: Well, right. Yeah. And maybe I feel the way I do because I never felt that way. Yeah. I never had an assurance. Come quickly, God, but not today. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to get right later.
1: Well, you we, know? at least when we we're evangelizing, we encounter quite a few who are very self-assured. Very so, self- In fact, self-assurance, we noted this in fact a few years ago someone in the church pointed this out to me I think he's right that you know you have this standard well Spencer Kimball's standard of repentance is a permanent abandoning of all your sin and you have this standard of near perfection And it's it's, like what Jesus described. The Pharisees gave, handed out the the burden packs that were grievous burdens and heavy to be borne. um, And they don't lift a finger to help you carry it. And he described it that way. And that's what we see. So they have this nearly impossible standard. And so you have people who try desperately to be worthy and they fall short and they are honest about it. And they become very bitter about it as a result. And then you have the people who achieve it, either by hook or by crook, or they actually, you know, are impeccable in their character or something like that. And there are people who are very high character individuals, so I'm not denying that. But I think there are also people who get a smug. You know, I'm getting away with this kind of thing. But nonetheless, the people who at least live up to the standards raised by the church—what we have noted—is that they become very proud, very oh, proud. Yes. They, they, they do. And and
2: I was I was proud to the world. But like I said, in my moments of reflection, I would go, "Man," but I didn't get <clears throat> so in last your heart night.
1: of hearts, it was different.
2: I was, I, in the yeah yeah, my core, I I knew differently. And and um, you know, you were talking about. Repentance, and and here's the thing: we all have our favorite sins. Mm-hmm. We don't come up with new sins every week. No. You know, we're pretty predictable. And we have our favorite sins, and we struggle with the same things. Well, the doctrine and the covenant says every time you repeat a sin, if you repent, all your former your, sins come yeah, back on you. All your former sins <laughs> come crazy. back. crazy. And it's I, I talk to a lot of Mormons about that, and I I compare it with the parable of the haunted house. Which is in Matthew twelve. That's my name for it. The the house that has the evil <laughs> yeah, spirit. That's right. Sweep it out. <laughs> yeah, and, and you then... you sweep it out and you clean it up and you man you paint the walls and you just have awesome and you can do it for a few days. Yeah, but then you mess up and that bad bad spirit comes back and he brings a bunch of his friends because all your former sins come back. Yeah, and he bump on you. I I can't believe that there's a Mormon in the world that honestly believes they're doing
1: it. Well, and that's the question I ask her. LES friends when we talk about these things is either you are in denial about it, you're not telling the truth, or else you're in depression intense depression, if you're thinking about that standard of repentance. Yeah, yeah. There, yes. There's just no way around it otherwise, because you're not leaving that all behind, you just can't, you you can be deceived and deceive yourself that you are, but um, if you look at it, if maybe if we sit down together and look at it, then you don't hide anything from me, yeah,
2: well, well, James two ten says yeah. you keep the whole and stumble on one point. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I just told my wife that when we have a, you know, I'm always right. <laughs> okay, so there's a there's a point, uh-huh. you know, of of stumbling uh, pride. Maybe we would call it whatever. You stumble on one point, you're guilty of everything. And so literally the requirement is live perfectly Mm -hmm. and be saved or live in Christ
0: and be saved. And that's the only two options I can see. And on on that note, uh, as we kind of come in for a landing, if you could speak directly to our Mormon listeners, Uh, maybe we have some that are seeing some of the same things that you guys have seen. And maybe there is some skepticism or some questions. What would you want to say to them directly?
2: Can I let my wife go first and say, okay, (laughs) she's shaking her head. No, you know, I'm nudging her and say, bear your testimony again. She's saying, "Ah, I ain't doing it. Uh, I I think what I would say to people is, is there is a high cost there. It's not going to be easy, but it is so worth it. Mm. And, And I would ask them to reach out to any former Mormon you know who has become Christian, not the ones that have just wandered off and gotten lost, but those who have a Christian life. And they will all tell you the same thing. It's worth every pain, every struggle, every heartache, every loss, and you would not trade what God has done in, in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 the other thing is, you cannot imagine, as, as an LDS person, you can't even imagine what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. you can't comprehend it but just trust that there's something out there that is so big that it'll change your life for the better and gosh we just have been we've had five of the happiest years in our life Mm. it's just been incredible
3: we have a thumb drive that we put our Christian music on I almost don't even know what's being played out there Anymore with country or anything because that's all we listen to We're in the car. or It's like, well, oh, grab that thumb drive, got to put it in the truck or whatever because that's
2: that's where delight. we live. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's funny because people say, uh, well, when I ran for the legislature in Idaho, mm-hmm. one of my uh, one of my friends, he said, you need to stop talking about Jesus. So I think I was a screwed up Mormon all along. I was looking for Jesus and just not finding him, but. But you need to stop talking about God all the time. No, no, I mm. don't. But God is in every moment, in every thought, in everything you say and do. Mm. It Everything changes. Mm-hmm. So just trust me. Contact these two men. Reach out to us at askyourbishop.com. Mm. And we will be pleased to talk to anyone about anything. Mm. We don't have all the answers, but we do have the right God.
1: Yeah. And what do you say to those who are struggling to find the answers and trying to um, understand, to wrap their brain around the difference between biblical Christianity and the LDS church? What do you say to them?
2: God has given us in a number of places in his word a sure way and a pattern that we can test everything for truth. Deuteronomy 13, the first four verses or so, Deuteronomy eighteen, the last four, uh Acts eleven, seventeen, Galatians. that's a Brian's Galatians one. There are so many places that tell us how we can know the difference. Mm-hmm. And the Mormon church has never taught these people this thing. And when we understand how to test, mm. then we can line things up, test them according to what God has said, and the truth becomes crystal clear. Mm. If you don't turn to God's pattern, you'll just bump around in the dark. Mm. Search the scriptures; that might work. It's almost like God knew what He was doing. <laughs>
3: yes,
1: <laughs>
2: yes.
3: But in my mind, see, when we left the Mormon Church, we didn't go to our quad, you know, with the Bible and everything in it, because we felt it needed to be a fresh start, totally. This is why we ended up buying a new Bible right, every, right. every year. And that's a good point,
1: because I said search the scriptures, and our LDS listeners may be thinking the quad um, there, but it, when we say the scriptures, we yes. mean the 66 books of the Old and New testament. Search yes. the scriptures, Jesus said, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Yes. Yeah. And read the Gospels. Mm. Read Galatians. Mm-hmm. And read
2: Romans. That would oh, yeah. be my thing: is, is is read those. Start with those six books, yeah. and then
1: branch out. Go anywhere you want. Let God lead you. But look I for like Jesus in those books. <laughs> see Jesus in those books, um, because He is the Savior. He is the light, the way, the truth, and the life. And and He is God. And so He has power to save you. And you will see that it's impossible to take an honest look. At the word of God and not see that Jesus is equally God with the Father. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. He
1: is the brightness of his glory and the
0: express image of his person. Yes. Well, Lance and Grace, thank you guys so much for being with us. And before we go, tell it one more time about your website and your book. Okay. Um, we actually have two websites that we use in our ministry.
2: One is the word dot one, www the word one. Are those all
1: words spelled out?
2: T-H-E-W-O-R-D dot O-N-E. And that one's hard for people to remember. The other one is uh, askyourbishop.com. And that's easier for the LES people to remember, askyourbishop.com. And so at the Word, we focus on the gospel. And askyourbishop.com, we focus on contrasting the gospel of Jesus Christ with the gospel of Mormonism. And we have a number of papers that have questions that we encourage the LDS people to ask your bishop. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, that, that is a website.
1: I would. Are invite those t- two websites linked to uh, each other? They are. Okay. Yeah, so you
2: can cross back so and forth. So if you
1: can find askyourbishop.com, you can find You'll find everything. Where? Yeah. Uh, our contact
2: information is there. Call us for any reason. Uh, we are always available. Uh, Our book, it's called Grit and Grace. Uh, It is available at Amazon.com. You can pick it up there. Uh, Yeah, that'll cost you 20 bucks. It's available through me at no cost at all. If you want to know the truth, shoot me an email, give me a call, and we'll get one coming your way. And we have a second book that's almost ready for press. It's called Ask Your Bishop, uh-huh. Volume 1. Uh-huh. And it has 10 discussions for the Mormon people with uh,
0: questions that cannot be Very answered. Good. Very good. Very good. Lance and Grace Earl, thank you guys again so much. And uh, that's it for us. Until next week, we love you and God bless.